Welcome back to the Unravel podcast. My name is Nina. And my name is Alina. Today, I kind of wanted to talk about what's going on in the market right now. Okay. You know, I know that's a hot topic for a lot of people. And some people, they're too depressed. They don't want to talk about it. But I think it's interesting. So what are your thoughts on kind of, well, not the market because that's too broad, but how it's affecting your business, how it's affecting first-time home buyers, how it's affecting millennials. What are your kind of your thoughts? So I think it's very obvious to everyone that the market has slowed down. We came out of very, we came, we're coming out of a very, um, I don't know the word, maybe aggressive market post COVID. Um, interest rates were at a, a very low interest rates were at a low, mm-hmm. um, which were great. Um, and it was just incredibly hot. You were dealing with bidding wars, um, having to offer over asking. Um, it was an insane market. Probably the best year I've had in my entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, really, the last two years were. I think that was, what, 2021 and 2022. Yeah. Um, during COVID and then coming out of COVID. And now we're, like, officially out of COVID. Mm-hmm. And this market has just been entirely different. Um, I definitely would say it's probably been the worst years in my career. Not worse, like, where I'm, like, you know... Mm-hmm. scrapping for change or just like just in comparison to the prior years. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy because I've talked with a lot of other lenders and a lot of other realtors um, who have been in the game significantly longer than me. And they've all said the same thing. Like people that have been in the industry for 20, 30, 40 years. They've all told me like, this is the worst time. This is the worst, not mm-hmm. sorry, not worst time. This is the, this is the um, most challenging, most challenging year that they've ever had. Yeah. Again, not saying that it's terrible, but when you're comparing it to other prior years, it's been different because again, we went from like 3% interest rates to double that. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that, you know, people, you can't buy a house or anything of that sort. It's just, a, it's just a drastic difference in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. That's honestly the best way I could describe it. Yeah. The strategies you need to utilize now in order to secure a deal. Correct. So on the realtor side, but then also on the buyer and the seller side, you can't just willy nilly buy a house. You can't willy nilly sell a house. You know, you really have to be intentional and creative. I I think creativity and intentional and work ethic are the three things that you really have to do if you want to buy or sell or be a realtor or be a lender, I'm sure. Because which and I and to add to that, like just in the mortgage industry, because of ha- because of this new factor, of really people having to really be creative in the COVID market, but also this market coming out of COVID. Um, you know, the, the mortgage industry has been really helpful in that aspect. Um, lenders have been really helpful in that aspect, coming up with creative programs to assist buyers in this, you know, in this different time. Just mm-hmm. because again, it's been a, it's a drastic shift in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, like the two one to buy down program, or like the you know, all of the, or the, uh, buyer's down payment assistant programs. Yeah. Um, like there's a lot more programs out now than there were during COVID to kind of help buyers adjust to the shift. Yeah. Um, and even sellers to some degree. Yeah. I remember thinking back on the first ever property I purchased and the, that was challenging. Itself. Was that at Athens? It was. Oh, yeah. really? That was the first property you ever purchased. Yeah. So I think that our education system has changed over time and for, millennials and Gen Zs, there's not things that you are taught in school or things that you just know by going through high school, university, things you have to learn 
how to buy a house, how to make sure your credit score is where it needs to be. Or even knowing what credit score is. Correct. <laughs> or the difference. You know, I had to learn the difference between the different FICOs. FICO 9 versus, you know. Girl, I don't even know any of that stuff. I just know the basic credit score. <laughs> and that was a challenge because, you know, number one, the affordability is its own issue. But then the steps... Of educating you, yourself. Correct, because even if you can quote unquote afford it, there's still other steps that if you don't have those in line, you can't buy anything. Like your credit. You could have $100,000 in the bank, but if your credit's not there, you cannot purchase unless you're paying $100,000 cash, then you can. Mm -hmm. But if you got to make up the difference of it correct. and you don't have the credit, correct, you cannot purchase. You know, and that was for the first property we ever purchased, that was a big the biggest challenge because I had not been in the US for that long. And so the age of my credit short and so that reflected poorly on my credit even though there was no other debt there was no derogatory marks um you just didn't have enough correct credit history well let me let me stop you there and, and ask you what was that like in Th like thailand there's no like you don't have to have credit like well what so does that look like as far as i know as far as i was raised and what we did you just bought what you had money for so i was always taught so that means paying cash for everything mm-hmm Damn, that's a big difference in the U.S. You know, people <laughs> will still take out loans and go into debt and get mortgages and all that, but it's not as polyp. What's the word? It's not as common as okay. here. Um, you know, credit cards and all that stuff, I see it now as a means to an end. And you can use it to get miles, points, the strategy now. But I always thought, oh, credit was bad. You know, you don't want to have credit cards. But then you actually can't qualify for anything. You, you don't know, have credit cards. The more credit cards you have, the better if you keep them all under 10%. You're right. But I didn't know until you try to buy a house, you think, oh, well, I qualified. No, you don't qualify. So we had to work and work and work for years and just bought it cash instead of being able to So you leverage. bought the first house. Well, I guess you didn't intentionally tr want to have to buy it in cash. No. But because of the lack of credit history because mm -hmm. you hadn't been in the U.S. for so long. That was your only option. Yeah. And so we had no other choice. Option A was to keep renting and giving away our money. Option B was to purchase. So we went with option B and purchase. But really, truly, it's better to be able to get a small mortgage and then you can use your money to make you more money rather than putting it into that property. Sure. But I was not able to get a loan at the time. And but through that process, you learn so many things. And it makes me think that people need to learn this, you know? I agree. In school. Just simple things that can give you an edge, especially since prices are continuing to go up. Rates and will go up, go down, you know, who knows? And and not just prices going up for houses, but like in the grocery stores, right. for gas. Like like the cost the cost of living is going up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all of that is very important to learn and that the educational system teaches kids, but they're not going mm -hmm. to, We're, yeah. we, they would rather teach us a quadratic formula, but we won't talk about that. Math was and not my strong suit. I still <laughs> remember the quadratic formula to this day for whatever reason. Have I used it at all? Not a single time, but you know, I remember it. I would have, I would have preferred to have learned how to write a check or write a professional email, all those things, but you know, social media. Yeah. And think well, thankfully we have social media in this day that teaches us to do those kind of things. But it stinks because you spend all these years going to school and you don't learn about those life skills like credit, writing a check, writing an email, 
um, how to conduct yourself in business, how to dress appropriately for business. Like just all of those things would have been so valuable to learn in school and probably would have saved me five years. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but tell me a little bit more about, about what that first home purchase looked like for you. Did you like have to renovate the home? Like what did it, did it change the budget you were looking in? Mm -hmm. Like, like elaborate a little more on that. Yeah. So first and foremost, it definitely changed the budget because we were forced to buy it cash. We couldn't really purchase where we wanted to, as far as the condition. Um, so then we turned and looked, okay, what neighborhood is great. We kind of bought the worst property in the best neighborhood. So it increased our chance of appreciation. Absolutely. We bought it actually with a tenant in there. Um, the tenant had another eight months on the lease. Um, and we were actually out of state when we purchased this one. So, so wait, did you, you didn't even look at it. So you bought we, it sight unseen video tour from who I hired a realtor. I was not a realtor yet. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, I know you did not hire a realtor just because you were out of state. No, <laughs> no. Well, so let me backtrack. I was not a realtor in Georgia. Okay. Yeah. So but you were in the middle of getting your license. So I was licensed in California. Okay. But I was not licensed in Georgia yet. Okay. And so I was going through the process to bring that over to Georgia, but the property came on the market. I didn't want to wait. Um, I honestly found a realtor through Instagram. Love it. That's what people are doing nowadays. Yeah. Nothing wrong with and, that. um, they did a video tour and everything. We got an inspection It had a lot of issues. I'll be honest with you. But when you have, you have to weigh out pros and cons, you have to look at what the neighborhood is selling for the potential, the location, the condition, the the rent. Yeah. So by the time the property was vacant, we actually moved in and lived there for a while. It needed everything. I mean, it wasn't falling apart, but it was really ugly, you know? And so we put in probably, I mean, a lot of sweat equity, but you know, redid the kitchen, and you guys did this all yourself, majority of it yourself. Some of it we did ourselves. Some of it we had other people do, um, siding replacement, you know, different things like that. We definitely didn't do ourselves, but at the end of the day, things that don't cost too, too high, it's not a crazy amount, but over the long haul, the value it's basically, you're taking your money, you're doing a renovation, you're putting that right back into your property. So we felt great about that. Um, and, but it was really a learning a learning situation, you know, but also I'm sure like having to come into the real estate industry and cause every state's different. Yeah. So whatever you, you know, or whatever, you know, in California is going to completely be different here. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure not only was this a learning curve for yourself, but also for your business coming into real estate in Georgia, yeah. understanding what the requirements are yeah. and being able to educate your clients who were might've, who might've been in a similar situation yeah. like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And the second purchase we did after that was an investment property. And actually I learned even more with that one from the realtor side, because I learned different ways to handle things better based off of my experience. Um, that situation, the, my realtor called me and said, Hey, this property's coming on the market. It's great. You know, let's move forward. What do you think? Come to find out they were representing the seller also. And they recommended not getting an inspection. And in order for you to get the contract, you can't get an inspection. It was interesting. That alone sounded well, interesting. You, not you can't get an inspection, but hey, we have multiple offers. You know, kind of putting that pressure. Oh, without ha- they wanted you to nix the due diligence period, basically. Correct. Yeah. 
That's risky in a transaction, but you know, sometimes it's, it's necessary. Mm-hmm. If you were, if you purchased in the last two years, I could understand because you know, mm-hmm. that was a multiple offer, um, type of year yeah. that, you know, people were doing that. Well, luckily actually it was right before the craziness took off. Okay. Um, but then again, the margins were broad enough to where we were buying at such a great price, even if something was crazy wrong with you know, the you property. You make that money back up. Yeah. So fair. But do I ever recommend a buyer to do that? No. It, at the end of the day, it's up to a buyer if they want to right. waive any contingencies. But preferably, you always want to get an inspection Correct. so that you know. And so, from the customer service side, the realtor side, in hindsight, I think I learned a lot with that one too. Sure. Um, but luckily, that one able to get a mortgage. So you, you know. actually won the highest and best. Mm-hmm. But then technically, do I know if there was any other offers? No. So anyway, that's a different story. Hey, just so you know, you can always add a contingency in there saying that they show you proof of the other yes, offer, but which I, I mean, people could still lie. I'm not saying they won't, but I mean, it's, an, it's something that I've always added in to, well, to get something, to get something as oh, proof. Oh, hundred percent. And you know that now, but before you're sure, you know, you're right. Before you complete your licensing and everything. But also you're on the grounds, hands-on experience. You're not going to mm-hmm. know that. That's fair. Yeah. Fair. I mean, there's a lot of times where, because I work with a lot of sellers, we receive offers all the time with some contingencies and language in there that's so excellent that I actually have a document where I I will copy them over, put the agent's name, because it's great to learn from people that have great language and they have experience and all that stuff. And so I have a nice document with all these beautifully written contingencies and yeah. So, I love that. but at the time I didn't know, luckily it's worked out. The property's great. It's a rental property. And, um, what about you though? Tell me about your experience purchasing your first property, what you learned through it, how you had to make it work. If you could go back in time, what would you change? Sure. Um, so me and my siblings have bought and flipped property before in the past as like together. Mm-hmm. Um, the first property I ever attempted to purchase by myself was probably in 2018. I was trying to buy it by myself. And an issue I was running into was um, as a 1099 employee, I'm sorry, not as an employee, as a 1099 contractor, whatever you want yeah. to call it, um, you have to show two years tax returns. And then they take the average of those two, two years. So if you make $20,000 and they take the app that they take that, let's say, mm-hmm. sorry, let me back up. If you made $20,000 one year, $20,000 another year, $40,000 total, so take the average of it. Mm-hmm. I think they take the total, my bad. I think they take the total of it and they divide it over a 24-month period. Yeah. And that makes it look like you make nothing. Yeah. So that's the issue I was running into when I tried to purchase then because I had so many deductions. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole reason I created a, the whole reason I did, you know, an LLC under my 1099, under my under my 1099 or whatever you want to call it was so I can take off more deductions. But I didn't realize at the time that how that was going to affect me in the long run um, as a trying to purchase property uh, is that you have to show income. So if I'm taking off, if I made $20,000 and I'm taking off $50,000 in expenses, not to say they're not legitimate, like it makes it look like I made zero money. So then that way I I don't qualify for anything at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, So my lender told me at the time that, you know, you're obviously going to stay in this industry. Once you've been in the industry for at least five years, they can use that last tax return and spread it over a 12 month period. And you can qualify that way. Then that mm-hmm. way you don't have to worry about them, you know, using two tax returns, yeah. dividing it up and whatever, whatever. So like, okay, that makes the most sense. So in 2021, when the market was 
freaking crazy during COVID, everybody offering over, over asking. Um, I went through the pre-qualification process and I did get pre-qualified for like, I think like 700 or something like that. And I wanted my payments to be like right around 3,500 or just, just in that ballpark. Cause that's what I could afford. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I was really struggling in that market because everyone was offering over asking. And I'm talking about like $50,000 over asking and people paying cash for the difference. And I was like, I cannot afford this. So <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm, I, although I tried to still purchase the house during that market, yeah. I couldn't afford to pay. I couldn't afford to compete with these buyers who are paying, you know, $50,000 mm -hmm. cash over asking. So continue to look, didn't even find a house until that next year in 2023. Um, and it, the market was significantly slower than it was actually right at the brink where it was kind of transitioning. Yeah. Um, at that time, the, my interest rate was about 6% versus mm -hmm. back then it was only about 3%, three, three and a half percent, which is really good. So but what you can purchase completely changed, Shreds. completely changed. Yeah. Um, so at the time, at this time around, I could only qualify for like 500. So we're talking about $200,000 less, but you know, whatever, I don't really care. It, it is what it is. Um, but also my, my biggest thing was to get my payments to kind of where I needed to be as a buyer. Your only concern is your payments. What are your payments look like mm -hmm. to make, cause you want to make sure you can afford whatever you're buying. Yeah. So, um, so at that time I, you know, I found a house. So wait, let me go back. So my budget was 500 K, um, because that was what my payments were at the $3,500 mark. But I just want to show, like, you can see the shift in the budget because of the interest Correct. rate change. Yeah. My interest rate went my interest rate doubled yeah. and my payment, my purchase price went down. Yeah. Anyways, I ended up finding the house of my dreams. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. Freaking perfect. Um, and again, I've already been past that five-year mark. So I didn't have to, I could just use my last tax return. And I just made note to not take as many deductions during that year. Then that way I could qualify mm -hmm. for what I wanted to. Um, so did that in the middle of being under contract. Um, my lender called me like, three days before closing. And he was like, um, you can only use, you can only the, the underwriters changed it. You can only use, um, money from, I think he said, account. yeah, I think he said I could only use like 9,000 or something from my business account, mm. which I was like, cause my problem is, is my, although my business, it, it also business account. It's still my personal because that's yeah. just kind of where I put everything, um, for my, for my real estate stuff. Um, because it's just me. Mm -hmm. And so I really didn't ever shift funds around me where I just left it in there. Yeah. Um, so that made a huge difference because then I was like, where am I supposed to get this other 20 grand from? So I called, I had to call my sister and she was like, she, you know, gave it to me. And then I just paid her back after closing court or whatever. But I was like two, three days before closing, finding that out that, you know, any, like, I'm very thankful that, you know, I, you know, I had my sister and she was able to help me with that, but it was like, what in the world? Yeah. You know, there's <laughs> two things I noticed from what you just told me, like, so imagine if you knew this information ahead of time or if you were possibly able to do the correct write-offs to where you reported the income, to where you could qualify to purchase, you could have probably had the opportunity to buy a, a different house. Yeah, that too. Um, but again, you don't know what you don't know. And that's correct. part of I, what I hope this podcast gives to people is just a little bit of insight or at least the idea to go do some research yourself, you know, because you were blessed or you worked hard, but you found a home that you love, your forever home. I don't know, but a home that you love for a lot of people though, 
you may not find your forever home. Sure. And I mean, for me, certainly that first property was not. And that's okay. At the end of the day, you're building equity in something that is yours that you can mm-hmm. use towards the next whatever, next investment, next property, whatever you want to use it towards. As long as you can get your foot in the door, that's the most important the thing. thing. Agreed. And as easy as it, the process can be, the better. But sometimes things are out of your control. But that's like where educating yourself is so important. Hiring the right realtor. If you don't want to yes. use a realtor. But also the... But also the lender as well. Correct. Um, that's a that plays a big factor. And the only reason, you know, the only reason I found out, you know, a day or two before closing is because a normal closing takes 30 days. Mm-hmm. I was trying to close in two and a half weeks. So that's what kind of limited the amount of notice I was given. But my lender did absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Whether it's a big house, a small house, a condo, a townhome, multifamily, I mean, there's so many different options. But I think the process starts a couple years beforehand. You know, you have to start preparing to make that decision. Preparing. Exactly. Exactly. Now, are there times where your parents give you money or you inherit money? Or Sure. But typically for the majority, you have to work for that. Right. And so if you're not able to buy a house right now, don't lose hope because you can start making decisions today. Mm-hmm. Intentional steps. Totally Position agree. yourself, you know. And rather that's credit or having like the, the, your income track record, all of those things. Cause mm-hmm. someone still can still give you money, but unless they're, you know, you're paying full cash for a house, like you, yeah. like you said earlier, you still gotta have the credit. You still gotta have, you still gotta be able to show the income, which that mm-hmm. was something that I struggled with. And the, the first time I tried to buy, yeah. I wasn't prepared for that. And I didn't expect that. But again, then that's why I prepared over the next couple of years to be able to purchase a house. Yeah. So I totally agree with that. Yeah. Well, I think that takes us to the end of the second episode. Um, Thanks for joining us. Come back next week. Every Wednesday, we'll be releasing an episode. You can find it on anywhere that you listen to podcasts and also follow us on social media. Bye.